For the last two months, we've been looking at the life of Abraham, specifically at Abraham's faith in God. And as we've gone through these stories in Genesis, we've seen some amazing faith from Abraham. We've seen him leave his home when God called him to leave. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew that God was the one who was leading him and he was willing to follow. And we've seen Abraham show remarkable faith when it came to taking care of his nephew Lot. We saw him give Lot the choice land in which to live, and we saw him rescue Lot when he was taken captive during a war. And two weeks ago, we saw Abraham pray for an entire people and try and save them from God's coming wrath. And while these cities weren't saved, Lot and his daughters were. Abraham, though, wasn't perfect in his faith. In fact, we've seen a number of times where his faith failed him. It happened in Egypt as he lied about his wife when he was trying to protect his own life. It happened when he and Sarah would not wait on God's promise that they would have a child as he slept with Sarah's servant and got her pregnant. And even though Abraham is the father of the faithful, he still failed. Um, He's still human. He's not perfect. Last week, we saw, though, the culmination of all of this waiting. The promise that God had made to Abraham so many years before had finally come to fulfillment. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, in their old age at 190, had a child. Isaac was born. What an amazing occasion that had to have been. And that's where you hope that the story would kind of end on on the upswing. But for Abraham, there's, there's one more story to look at. And it's probably the most important of all. Abraham's about to go through the toughest test of his faith. Now, when I think of tests, I, of course, go back to think about school. And I didn't really like to take tests in school. And it's probably because I wasn't good at taking tests. Because I wasn't really prepared for the tests that you know what, if I knew these tests were coming, I, I, would, I would be in class early, like five to ten minutes early, and I would be cramming for the test that I knew was coming. And then when the test would come, I would try and remember everything that I had just crammed, those two weeks of lessons that I crammed into ten minutes, probably less, because it, you know, it was me. And I would, I would go through, find all those questions first, answer those, and then just guess on the other ones. And, and that seemed to work out all right in high school. I, that seemed to do pretty well. Um, it did not work out in college, though. For some reason, they wanted you to study more for an entire semester. And you can't cram an entire semester in 10 minutes, especially when one of them was journalism law. And that's why I failed journalism law the first time. It's okay. I went back and I, I passed. Um, I, I really didn't understand or really get good at tests until I went back to school um, in, uh, what, 2011, I think. And uh, the, the reason things changed was because I actually went to class, which helped, oddly enough. I paid attention in class. I took notes, read all the assignments I was supposed to read. And, and turns out when you do that, you tend to do better in school. I know. I know. And it didn't matter what kind of tests they were. In, in my U.S. history class here at IU, we would have a, an unannounced quiz every week. And it, would have, it was a Tuesday-Thursday class, so it was going to happen on either Tuesday or Thursday. Most of the time it was Thursday because 
I think my, my professor knew that if she put it on Tuesday, most people would not be there on Thursday. But you had to be prepared because every once in a while, it would show up on Tuesday. And then nobody would be there on Thursday. But, but I was prepared, and, and I did so much better on those tests. Anybody ever take blue book essay tests? Those are the worst. Or they were the worst. They were the worst. I got so much better at those when I was prepared for my test. Easiest test I took because I was prepared. Now, Abraham is about to take a test that I don't think anybody could really prepare for. And the more difficult thing is he doesn't know that he's going to be taking a test. But we, the readers, we do. We're clued in. Abraham has to live through this. He's got to work through this. And even though I I don't know how he could possibly have prepared for what is asked of him here, the way he responds to this test is pretty amazing. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Genesis 22. And let's take a look at this test of Abraham's faith. Starting in verse 1, where it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. So the author begins by telling us that this is sometime later. And so we look back at chapter 21, kind of get our bearings, see where we're at. And we see that that talked about the birth of Isaac, like Rick talked about last week. And then we see a little bit of his growth to a young boy, probably a toddler. And that's when Abraham sent Hagar and their son Ishmael away. Then there's this story about a treaty that Abraham comes to with Abimelech at Beersheba which is where Abraham is now settling. Now, we don't know exactly how much time has passed, but we do know that it's enough time for Isaac to have grown a bit more. And the reason we know this is because we see that he knows the procedures for a sacrifice. He knows what's going on. And he's strong enough to carry the wood for the sacrifice. And it was going to be a fairly large sacrifice um, with him. Now, some scholars suggest that in his teen year, that he would be in his teen years for this. Some suggest that he was even older. But whatever it is, he's still strong because he had to carry the wood. Regardless, though, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And it's important to note that the writer of this passage tells us, the readers, from the jump, that this is a test. And it's a test from God. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, wait a second. God tests his people? And yes, we see that throughout Scripture. The Israelites were tested as they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. In the book of Deuteronomy, the author speaks about being tested by God against worship to false idols or false false gods. Even Jesus himself was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit before his ministry began to be tested. So God is testing Abraham's faith here. How is this being done? He commands Abraham to take his son, his only son, the son of the promise, Isaac, to a mountain to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. This is where uh, things seem to get a little crazy and and where we should be happy that the authors let us in on this from the get-go, that this is a test. That God would command Abraham to sacrifice his son just seems cruel. This is the son that Abraham had waited, what, 25 years for. 
that was born to him and his wife through the miracle of God after they had grown old and past childbearing years. And now God wants Abraham to sacrifice this child. And we're not told what Abraham thought about this. We're not given that information. Did he question it? Did he just want to say no? We don't see anything like this, but I, I think it would, have, it would have at least had to make him think about these things. How difficult would this be? I don't have kids. There's no way I can fully comprehend how devastating this might have been to him. But I have seen how hard it is on people when their child dies. And, and I've had a number of friends who've had either miscarriages or stillbirths. And, and we've had people here who have gone through the loss of their child. And it's devastating. So difficult to go through. And so I believe Abraham must have had some of these thoughts when, and it's not like he lost his son unexpectedly. It's that he was commanded by God to sacrifice him. He had to have been going through some of this. But let's read on. Let's see his response in verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. So God made the command and Abraham goes. It's early the next morning and I can't imagine he slept all that well that night. But Abraham prepares the wood for the burnt offering and then sets out with Isaac and two servants. And we don't see any questioning. We don't see any bargaining with God. He simply obeys. Remember from a couple of weeks ago that when we saw when God told Abraham his plans to destroy Sodom, Gomorrah, and the other cities of the plain, Abraham spoke with God. And he was trying to get him to reconsider his decision, reconsider destroying these cities. But he doesn't do that here. We don't see any indication that Abraham questions God or tries to get him to reconsider. He really doesn't hesitate. He goes early the next morning and travels three days and prepares to sacrifice his son. But look, though, about how he speaks to his servants. He tells them, stay with the donkeys, and that he and Isaac, he and the boy, are going to go up to the mountain and worship God. And then he says, and we will come back to you. We will come back to you. You see, Abraham may not have questioned because he believed that God would still keep his promise, his covenant that he made with Abraham, that he would make Abraham a great nation that would come through this son, Isaac. He had faith that God would do something, anything, and that both of them would return. And we continue in verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, 
Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took this knife to slay his son. So they were going toward the mountain. And now we see Isaac. Maybe he's starting to notice a few things. He starts to question. And as they're traveling to the place, Isaac recognizes, you know, we've got the wood for the sacrifice. We've got the fire, but we don't have the sacrifice. What are we, what are we actually doing? What, what's the offering we're giving? And again, I think we see something of Abraham's faithful response when he tells his son. He says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. God will provide the lamb. That's the faithful hope that Abraham has. But as they arrive to where God sent them and and built the altar, no lamb appears. And so Abraham binds his son Isaac and lays him on the altar. He takes the knife. He plans to sacrifice Isaac. He's going to go through with it. Why? Well, we actually see an answer to this in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says this. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. He had put his full trust and faith in God that God would still fulfill his promises even if Abraham went through with it and, and killed his son. God would raise Isaac back from the dead. But that's not what happens. We read on in verse 11. The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord stops Abraham from going through with this sacrifice of Isaac. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he says. And something he said throughout this passage three times when God calls him in verse 1, here I am. When Isaac asks the question, when he says, Father, in Hebrew he says, here I am. Same word, and he says it here. Here I am, ready. God says that Abraham's passed the test. It's not just faith on the outside, but it's, it's, not, it's not just Abraham saying he has faith. It's demonstrating it by following God wherever he may lead. It is such an extreme test of faith, but Abraham trusted God, and God provided. Abraham saw the ram in a, that was caught in a thicket, and he sacrificed it, and then he names this place Yahweh Yira. Yahweh, which is the Lord's name, that is usually translated as Lord in all caps, so is so as not to misuse it. And then Yira, which means will provide. And God did provide. He provided the sacrifice, but he also gave Abraham back his son. 
Like the author of Hebrews wrote, that in a manner of speaking, Abraham received his son back from the dead. So let's finish reading this passage, verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. God is reiterating the blessing that he promised to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12, and in the covenant that he made with him in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham had shown himself as faithful, willing to give up the very thing that God had promised to him because he trusted God. God swears on himself, because really what is God going to swear on? That he will bless Abraham and make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And and God has followed through on that promise. An entire nation came from Abraham, the nation of Israel. And they have blessed many nations, many people. And Abraham is the father of the faithful. And we've seen over these two months in looking at the life and faith of Abraham that it's a a story, it's a very human story, very human individual. Abraham has shown himself to be a man of incredible faith. God called him to leave his home to where God would lead without knowing the destination, and Abraham followed. He didn't question it. He just followed God. But we've also seen the places where his faith struggled. He didn't follow God's directions as he went into Egypt. He lied about who his wife was, not once, but twice as they went into Egypt and Gerar. We witnessed Abraham and Sarah's impatience on the Lord as they decided they, they didn't want to wait on God to provide the child of the promise. So he slept with Hagar, and she had a baby named Ishmael, and eventually Abraham sent both of them away. Abraham showed great faith when he separated from Lot and then when he rescued Lot from the warring kings as well as intervening for him when God was going to destroy Sodom where Lot was living. And he passed this extreme test of his faith, remaining faithful to God and trusting that God was either going to stop him or bring Isaac back from the dead. And that's just what God did. He stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son, his his only son, the promised son, Isaac. Abraham showed such great faith. But we look at these stories of faith, and and we look at the lack of faith in Abraham's life, and and it's good because I think we can relate to them. Not in the exact situations, but definitely in that we probably had moments of really great faith at times, followed up by moments where our faith has struggled a bit. But one of the most important things we can see in these stories is that while Abraham is important to them, they shine an even greater light on God. While Abraham had his ups and his downs and his faith, God never wavered. When Abraham followed, God was there. When Abraham faltered, God was still there. The Lord had made a promise to Abraham. He created a covenant with him, an agreement, like a contract with Abraham. God would lead, and if Abraham would follow, the Lord would make him into a great nation. 
And even though Abraham failed a number of times, God remained true to his word. And that's why it's good for us to read through these stories, because it should give us hope. I know none of us in this room are perfect. None of us watching today online are perfect. Especially, I'm definitely not perfect. We're like Abraham. We've got our ups, we've got our downs. But God will always remain faithful. He will always be near to you. He is always there. Always. And I pray that we would take heart and find comfort in that. That we can trust God even when things seem darkest. Even when it seems like he's asking us to do something that we cannot even imagine doing. Sometimes when we're going through tough things and we feel, we can feel like it's just too much. And you've probably had somebody come up at some point and, and say, you know what, God won't give you more than you can handle. And I think they're well-meaning when they say this, but I think that they're a little bit off on what they're saying. I don't think that's necessarily true, that God won't give you more than you can handle. I, I think the idea is close, but I think you do. He will give you more than what you can handle. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, though, it says that he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, what you can withstand. But I think he'll absolutely give you something more than you can handle on your own. Why? Because that should push you toward him. He is ever faithful and will provide a way out from under it. As 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, you can't handle it. And that's okay. Because God can. That's what Abraham trusted. That's who Abraham trusted. He knew that was going to be the hardest thing he had ever done, but he had faith that God was going to provide a way out, and he did. Yahweh Yira, the Lord will provide. The Lord provided a ram on that hill that day to be the sacrifice in place of Isaac. Many years later, though, the Lord provided another sacrifice. And like Isaac, he was innocent. Like Isaac, he carried the wood to his own sacrifice. Like Isaac, he traveled to a hill to be that sacrifice. Like Isaac, he complied. He did not try to escape. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, carried his cross to a hill named Calvary. But where Isaac was saved by God, he was rescued from being that sacrifice. Jesus was crucified, nailed to that cross, through his hands and his feet. There was no ram there to replace him that day, and that's because Jesus himself is the Lamb of God. He was innocent, and yet he sacrificed himself for the sins of the world. As Abraham said to his son, the Lord will provide a lamb for the sacrifice, and he did in his son Jesus. On that hill 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for you and me, because God had a plan to rescue us after the fall. And he is faithful to his plans. He is faithful to his promises. Your sins, they're paid for in full. And his call to you from that is simply follow me. Follow him. Abraham believed that if Isaac should die, God would bring him back from the dead, but Isaac did not die. 2,000 years ago, though, Jesus did. But then he did come back, and he conquered death. 
And he is now with us always and forever as we in faith follow him. And I pray that if if you've not yet made that decision to follow Jesus, that you would do just that. The call is simple. Follow me. But it will change your life. We'd love to talk with you about it. You can find me after the service in the foyer. For the rest of us who've already committed our lives to following Christ, just do that. Continue to follow him. Just like Abraham. Let him lead you. Trust him with great faith, even through the midst of the hardest tests and trials in your life. Because his name is Yahweh Yira. The Lord will provide. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, Lord, we just... We thank you for Abraham. We thank you that we've had this time over these two months to look at his life, to look at the ups and the downs, to see a very human person who we hold in high esteem, but who is also not perfect. But Lord, you are. You were with him. You never wavered in your promises, Lord, and you never waver today. Sometimes it may feel like it. Sometimes we feel like you are far away, but you are not. The Psalms say, where can I go? Where can I hide that you're not there already? Because you are always with us. You never waver. You don't leave us. You don't forsake us. And Lord, just like we looked at, you provided for Abraham that day. You provided his son. He trusted you. And Lord, you have provided us as well with your son. And we just have to trust you. Trust that you know what is best. We're going to go through dark times. This life, this world is broken. I think we can all see that. But you are the light of the world. I just pray that we would each Seek out that light. Help us to also be that light for others. Lord, thank you for giving us your son to live and to die for us and then conquer death. Death, where is thy victory? Thank you so much, Lord. You are truly Yahweh Hira. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen.